0: This episode of Burn the Haystack is sponsored, somewhat ironically, by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh.
1: And this is a podcast all about helping you save the best and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices.
0: <laughs> and this is Cringe Tuesday.
1: No, it's not really- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Cringe... Wait, it's Wednesday. Dang it. Oh, well, man. It's, it's always Tuesday somewhere. It's always Tuesday somewhere. What? <laughs> is that even true? I don't think that's true. <laughs> It, it could be. It's always true somewhere, Jesse. It's always true somewhere. I feel like we're kind of getting into 420 territory. Because it was 420 recently, even though for us it's actually 24, which is nowhere near as good. Because we actually write our dates correctly, unlike yeah. the American calendar. I don't who,
0: understand
1: that. Why? I why find would it you, so confusing. Why on earth would you put the month before the day? Like, it's the day, the month. And the year. If we want to get really crazy, maybe you should just put the year first, put the month there, and then put the day after that. Like, I would understand that. I would actually understand that. I would disagree, but I would understand it. Do it you know would what make I mean? more sense. Yeah. But I don't that's the understand. thing. I think
0: when you live in it, it makes sense. So, for example, a good example of this actually is right when we lived in Australia. The coins in Australia made a lot of sense, but it wasn't yeah. until I moved to New Zealand that I realised actually having a smaller $2 coin than a $1 coin actually makes no sense. And so here in New Zealand where they have a bigger $2 coin than a $1 coin, it was confusing at first because I kept getting them mixed up. But then I was like, actually, this makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I can hear our New Zealand audience just rejoicing right now because it does make a lot more sense to have the larger currency being physically larger like that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and again, like the question is how did it end up like that? Why why not do it? Like was there a logical reason? Was there a historical reason? I don't know. But yeah, no, you're right. So maybe I'm not as perfect. Maybe Australians are not as perfect as as I want to make out without, you know, metric currency and our proper date writing metric currency, I meant metric si- uh, measurement system. Don't be ridiculous, <laughs> Jesse. Of course, Australians are perfect. We had one
0: <laughs> one small thing that could have been a different preference, but, you know, I think we're still, I think we're still fine. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yep. Well, sorry, um, sorry, rest of the world, you're not in Australia, but maybe one day mm. you will be.
1: Maybe, maybe. I mean, that is if Australia was actually real and not a hoax, like we all know it actually is. I mean, that's, maybe that's why Australia is so perfect, because it's a country that doesn't actually exist. It only exists in the collective imaginations of the actors who are playing Australians like you and me.
0: Yeah. And that's why we're actually really A-grade actors, because we're playing Australians who are living in New Zealand
1: I mean, that's where, that's the real dedication because if you live in New Zealand as an Australian, you're basically like a persecuted Christian in the first century. Like it's, the persecution is just intense, man.
0: (laughs) Wait, okay. So (laughs) I'm confused. All right, I'm just going to, just get a little bit more real for a second. So
1: the conspiracy theory that Australia isn't a
0: real place, which is a real theory, everybody, we've read it before and it's pretty shocking that there are people who believe that Australia isn't a real place and we're all just actors. Um, Yes. But in that theory, is New Zealand a real place
1: or is New Zealand real but Australia isn't or are they both imaginary? I think in that system or in that scenario, New Zealand becomes what a lot of the rest of the world and by the rest of the world, I mean America thinks of New Zealand which is they forget that it exists like you know those those maps without New Zealand I think that's I think it's a similar situation it's like Australia doesn't exist and then you have another country which doesn't actually exist not because of any theory or reason but just because they forget that it exists true deep man that's that's my theory
0: well, thanks for listening, everyone. If you want any more information, just go to org. No, <laughs> no we, have a, we have a good topic today uh, yeah. that we want to talk about I mean, other than um, conspiracy theories, which maybe we should do another episode on conspiracy theories. We did one back at episode
1: 20 as a sort yes. of celebration episode. Maybe we should yes. do another one. I, 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 would be, I would be so keen. And can I, can I share a quick anecdote about conspiracy theories? You know what? It's, it's your podcast as well, Jesse, so you sure can. <laughs> That's true. Why don't even ask permission? <laughs> uh, I, was, I was recently at a wedding um, with a good friend from college. And um, he and his wife are both listeners. So um, congratulations, Tim and Jess, on your, um, your nuptials. Woo! But I, I was there and I was uh, just catching up with some friends that I had not seen for, for a little while. And for some reason, the topic got onto uh, a Joe Rogan podcast that he did with Alex Jones. And have I mentioned this to you before, Josh? The Alex Jones episode. Uh, you have episodes. mentioned it. But, uh, so it's it's like I four and a it. half. Yeah, it's like four and a half hours. It's a Goodness. it's a super long, super long episode. Yeah. Let um, us know if
0: you want to hear us do a four and a half hour
1: episode. <laughs> dude, that would be insane. <laughs> I don't know what we'd talk about, but let us know. <laughs> uh, um. But anyway, so we got onto this episode, and because. It is such a long episode of the Joe Rogan podcast. And for even people who've listened to Joe Rogan, um, most people just listen to the you know hour. That's sort of like the standard hour and a half maybe. I met some people there who had listened. And I was like, oh, these are like the only people in the world that I've ever met who have also listened to this podcast. And I'm just warning you guys right now. Look, I'm not going to link it or anything. You can easily find it. He does too. This is the second one. It's four and a half hours long. It is insane, like this. It if you ever listen to Joe Rogan or you listen to Alex Jones, they swear it's pretty crude. But that's not the worst part about it. The worst part about it is all the, the the conspiracy theories. And if you ever wanted a like a living repository of conspiracy theories, Alex Jones is your man. Like he's kind of like living, breathing conspiracy theories. And the most frightening thing I think about him is that sort of fifty percent of it makes sense. And 50% is bat crap insane. Like, that's sort of the the weird dynamic of Alex Jones. And yeah. that's why, like, I was speaking to these guys for like three hours at this wedding over dinner. And we were just sharing, like, I'm not going to get into any of the specific conspiracy theories because honestly, a lot of them are super dark. and Like, they're just crazy. But I tell you what, even though I have always been something of a skeptic like i've had friends who growing up would be like you know uh bush did 9-11 you know new world order barcodes on your forehead all that sort of christian sort of you, you mix christian revelation and conspiracy theories together and you kind of get that cocktail of um of theory i'm actually starting to come around to some <laughs> conspiracy theories no no I'm no. not i'm not i'm okay so, so let me let me let me clarify i'm I don't not know
0: if i wanted to let you clarify <laughs> well
1: look i there are some conspiracy theories that are just so like flat earth okay for instance flat earth or um the anti-vax conspiracy theories there's some that I just flat out go this can't be true but there are some which maybe we can get into another episode if you guys want to hear more about sort of Where I'm coming around to, I'm happy to talk about it in another episode, but I don't know. I feel like my barrier has been, okay, it sounds crazy. I'm going to reject it. But now that barrier is kind of coming down where just because it's crazy doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily reject it off the bat, but I'm going to want to hear more. So I'm not a believer, but I'm actually starting to become more open. I know that sounds, I know that sounds real dumb, but that's sort of where I'm at. A little bit right now
0: uh, okay well you heard it here first folks jesse is going <laughs> off the rails uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking for a new co-host so anybody <laughs> anybody out there literally anybody
1: please please help me <laughs> oh man sorry i thought i thought i should just share that because you know that's what happened that's, ha- that's what's happening in my life and burn the haystack is all about you know what people want to hear about me oh and you of course and josh <laughs> Yep. Well, I'm currently in a state of, and okay, there's no spoilers.
0: This is just a little update on our life, but I guess <laughs> we are going to get into the topic, but we're just talking about our lives first. Um, I mean, this is like the year of things ending, you know? I just mm. saw Endgame in, this, in, the, in the cinema recently. And um, yeah, I think I'm just kind of like sad, you know? It's like, oh, well, that's sort of the, the whole package. I mean, yeah, we're not spoiling anything, but it's just like, no. it's just been sort of sad, you know, that these things are coming to an end. I know that Marvel Universe is going to keep going, but Star Wars comes to an end this year. The
1: Skywalker saga, which it's been a pretty unfortunate end so far. <laughs> but hopefully the last <laughs> um, one's a bit better. <laughs> I'm hoping that the, 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 was it Rise of Rise of, Rise Skywalker? of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they can redeem the, the trilogy.
0: Well, that's what happened with the prequels. The first two were really average, and then the last one just was mm. way better. So, yeah. maybe it just maybe it'll happen again. <laughs> I I'm really maybe. hoping so. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. And oh, the, I mean, I don't watch it, but
1: Game of Thrones is ending, so Yeah, Game of Thrones over. is ending. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, we just had like the most like epic, like this is not spoilers again, the most epic episode, episode 3, which is kind of like one of the big ones that the whole series was leading to. That was that just just happened and there was some, there was some pretty, uh, pretty crazy stuff happening in that episode. So yeah. Yeah.
0: So 2019, the thing, the the year of things ending. So, so on that note, we yeah. are here to announce that Burn the Haystack is
1: indeed following the trend and ending. Yeah. No, you guys, it's been a good run. Um, we've had a lot of laughs along the way. Uh, we've 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 learned a lot. I I've learned a lot. Um. So yeah, but this is, uh, we feel like it's time to finish. Um. And uh, really it's just because everything's ending. We're just kind of jumping on this right now episode 60 I mean yeah it's 60 a massive episodes, run. man oh, no podcasts ever make it past 60. so there are literally no podcasts that have ever made it past 60 episodes so we figure we don't want to be sort of one of those ones those tall poppies so yeah that's what that's that's it's kind of sad yeah so we're ending like eventually not not this year, but we will end eventually. Oh yeah I mean sure one day we'll probably... Yeah you know, finish, but it's not today. Yeah, I mean, we that's not, you know, I hope nobody misunderstood us there.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're ending one day. We're just announcing that one day we'll be ending. Yeah, one day.
1: Yeah, exactly. One day. Yeah, Yeah. eventually. Cool.
0: Cool. Yeah. Okay, just in case people didn't get the meta joke (laughs) there, we're not actually ending. (laughs) (laughs) All right, no. But speaking Uh, of things ending, unlike Burn the Haystack, (laughs) okay, There is something coming to an end. This is when we're getting into the serious content, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. And this is way back, uh, episode six. We did an episode called "The Theology of Architecture." Great episode. Um, if you're a new listener, I would actually recommend going back and listening to that one because we are sort of playing off that idea in this in this episode. Um, but yeah, it was a great episode. Well, ages ago now. Yeah. Uh, but we basically talked about how. Um, I guess there's this sort of confusion of our like our church buildings and spirituality, conflation of all those sort of ideas. But something that is actually coming to an end is sort of the idea of the church building, um, mm. as we know it. Mm. It's it's simply as a pastor, or well, as as pastors, and I've had this conversation with many other pastors. Um, it, we're beginning to realize it's actually really not practical to have a building that you use once maybe twice a week and then it just sits there mainly because it's just becoming more and more and more and more and more expensive to just keep a building going
1: Mm. and Um, this i think this is something that a lot of us kind of inherently know and understand but the question of well okay what do we do about that that that's the murky part that's the part where we where we go oh well do we just run more programs? So it's kind of like we're in this this space now where we as church members or pastors or church leaders, we're now trying to justify the existence of these huge buildings, many of them multimillion dollar buildings, these huge facilities on acres and acres of land. Um, and, and we're trying to justify our own existence in a way, not as a church, because I think... I think we're moving past the place where we think of church being the building. I mean, we rag on that continually and uh, (laughs) a a lot of people do. Like, I think we understand that church is not a building, it's a people, but um, actually putting that into practice and then justifying the fact that we have this, in many cases, multi-million dollar facility, um, it's tough. And I feel like people get to that certain point and they don't know how to get any further because they just don't know what to do with the problem.
0: Yeah. And I guess um, sort of like, obviously the theme is burn the haystack and sometimes people don't really get how, what we're doing that connects to the theme. But I actually strongly believe we connect all of our episodes to our theme. You just have to dig below the surface a little bit. Ooh. Um, but, <laughs> but with this, I guess the haystack here is that a lot of people feel like um, having a sacred building that's just for them makes them almost more spiritual in a way. And mm. I think that can actually be a haystack that gets in the way of people's relationship with Jesus and and how they, um, I guess, live out being a church in 2019. Um, yeah. Or 2019. 2019. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> as soon as you said
1: that, I was like, where, he's going to say it. He's, he's going to say, say it, it. And he <laughs> said it.
0: It's 2019, everyone. Oh um, but we. we came across a really interesting article recently and i guess jesse and i were just having a chat about it and we we're like actually this would be a really good episode we should talk about this um yeah yeah absolutely because it's sort of it's it's not the it's not the well what, like it's not like the silver bullet solution to all of our problems but it's a very good conversation starter and we were thinking could this ever working in adventism um maybe i don't know Yeah. i think it i think i actually think like a lot more is possible with our system than what people say. Um, And our system can change in time. It's had to change in the past because of circumstances and it will change again because the world is changing. We can't have the same things. for um, The same things can't always be the same things if we want to actually reach a new culture and a new age of
1: people. Um, Yeah. So we should should preface this as well by, by saying that if nothing else, church buildings and facilities will and must change. And we're probably going to see some fairly painful stuff happening in the next decade or two. That's my prediction, at least, because um, for those of you who've been part of church committees in terms of upkeep, um, insurance, um, expansion, all that sort of stuff, which um, you just have to do when you have a huge facility that you have to maintain and you have to keep it all consented and it has to be insured and, and all this sort of stuff that goes along with it we're getting to this point in in church culture where fewer and fewer people are attending church, fewer and fewer people are giving and those people who are giving are giving less. That's just happening across the board. And so what we have now is we have all these huge buildings who are sitting, that are just sitting there and we can't, more and more, we can't afford to maintain them. We can't afford to um, improve upon them. We're just kind of, trying to keep stuff afloat, we're trying to fight this this cultural shift where suddenly it's okay for people not to go to church, whereas before it was just expected of them, culturally speaking. I mean, Australia and New Zealand are for all intents and purposes kind of a no-religion sort of nation. So this is, this has been happening a lot more, a lot sooner here, but we're seeing this even in the US and in Canada where once it was just expected you go to church, you give your tithe or your offering and you go home and that makes you a productive, um, good member of society. That's no longer expected. That's no longer a cultural expectation um, in the Western world. And so this is something which we're going to see in the next few years. Churches are closing down. More churches are going to have to close down. The existence of having your local church on the corner of the street is um, is going to be questioned more and more because if it's going to be used only once or twice a week and then it's going to be empty, then from a cultural standpoint, we're going to have all sorts of questions. Like, well, what's the point of having that huge building there if it doesn't get used that much? Shouldn't there something? Shouldn't something better be put there, like a community center or a school or a pub or whatever it might be? Um, yeah. So that's what we're going to see. That's my prediction, at least. Oh,
0: and I, I would agree; it's it's spot on because I mean I've talked to people who are involved higher up in the conference than us as local pastors, and basically the conversation keeps coming around for new churches. They're saying, please don't buy buildings because yeah. it's just impossible to up to keep up with the. With, <laughs> I mean, I was a part of a church. Uh, I used to be a part of a church where just the cost of insurance, insuring that building, and it wasn't by by any means like a what do you call it like um excessive amount of insurance or anything no. it was they had a pretty bare bare minimum like just what they needed and it cost more than another church in the area was paying for rent every year yeah and i'm like yeah. that's crazy just for our insurance we we're paying more than that church is just to rent a space for a whole year. And that's just insurance. That's not like maintenance. (laughs) That's not like the bills or anything like that. That's not electricity. That's just insurance. And so you have to ask those,
1: you have to ask those questions like, well, what's the point of us having a building if we have these huge costs and we don't even get the privilege of this other church of being able to lock the doors and go, not my problem. You know, something goes wrong. Like you can't just talk to the landlord. Um, Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, So, that's why, like, when we came
0: across this article, we were like, oh, this is actually really cool. Um, and I guess a really great way to think about church buildings. Um, mm. So I guess, yeah, before we get into it, uh, well, we are going to link the article in the show notes. Um, so oh, yes. you can, we would encourage you to have a read because it's actually got these really cool pictures and stuff mm. and illustrations.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, so probably the best way to go about this is pause right now, read the article and then maybe come back. It'll only take you like three minutes to, to read the article.
0: Yeah, or open it <laughs> open it in your browser on your phone if you're on the move yeah. somewhere and yeah. just read it, read it later. But whatever, it's, it's just a really great article to read and just super insightful. Um, it seems a little bit out of the realm of possibilities for, I guess, some people, uh, like some situations. But uh, honestly, it's a great conversation starter. And I guess something to get out of the way first is This article is a radical shift in how we think about our church buildings. Um, I know a lot of people who feel like the church building needs to be a sacred space only used for church things. Um, And that's a nice idea, uh, but it's it's not really practical and I've yet to see it work in... (laughs) in the last 20 years where it's only a church building and only church things happen there and it gets used to its maximum capacity. I don't think I've ever seen it
1: happen. And and not to mention that it's not very theological either, really. If you were to have an in-depth study on the theology with temple, sacred space, all that sort of stuff, I think you would probably come up a little bit frustrated because there's not that much scriptural evidence, at least in the early church, the the New Testament, to um, really support the idea of having a sacred space that's only used for one thing. Um, In my like, because the Bible's all about temple. You know, we talk about it from the very beginning with Eden being the temple, and then the Israelites have temple. And this is a very fast track version, but you come to the first century, you come to the life of Jesus, you come to the early church. The temple goes from being a building to being a person who is Jesus. And then Jesus gives that honor to the church, the church being the people that make up the following, the the assembly, the, the congregation, which is the people who follow Jesus. And so the idea, the theological idea is that Temple, sacred space is now a human body. You know, I mean, after all, what does Paul say to the Corinthians in First Corinthians? You know, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's a quick theological understanding of sacred space.
0: Yeah. So what we have to move away, so we actually have to move away from the idea of um, the church building is holy and we become holy when we enter it. Um, instead, we need to actually think it's actually... The people who are holy, and whatever space we are in, that space becomes holy around us mm. just because of the people within it. If exactly that makes sense. Exactly um, because you are the temple of God. That's that's how it works. So that's why this article. I'm like, this is actually rethink. And the the whole article is called "Redesigning Church for the 21st Century." It's perfect. It goes right <laughs> along with what we're talking about. Um, but it is a bit of a radical shift, and. A lot of you might read it and think, this will never happen in an Adventist context. But I beg to differ and we will talk about that afterwards. But for now, Jesse, do you want to give us a quick
1: run through on the four, what is it, the four principles? Yeah, yeah, there's four kind of strong, they call it the, the strong church principles. So they preface it basically with talking about what we've been talking about, the decline in church, um, the, the the cultural shift away from cultural Christianity, and sort of the paradigm around the 20, 20th century church building where you have this huge facility that sits empty most of the week and is surrounded by a sea of a car park. And it's kind of, yeah, it's just kind of void and empty throughout most of the week. So what they say in terms of what they've actually done. So this is something that's happened in in, in practice. This is a church. Um, the church is called Century Church or just Century, um, and they acquired 23 acres in Pike Road, Alabama. Um, Alabama. I don't know. Alabama. What, I don't know if that's what they sound like. I'm sorry for anyone <laughs> from Alabama if I've offended you. Um, and so they 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 acquired this 23 acres, and which is a lot of land. Um, yeah, it's huge they've set about creating this church um, and they have these four principles so principle number one is community first church second Um, so the most important principle and I'm kind of reading verbatim here is to look for ways to address community needs before focusing on the needs of the congregation which right off the bat is something that just almost never happens be, yeah, to be to be honest. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's funny. It's actually something that sort of used to happen in our Adventist history, but then we moved away from a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we moved to a more congregational, like, part. pastor being the shepherd, sort of keeping keeping care of the flock of the you know the Christians, and then everything was focused on what they liked and what they were needing.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the Adventist part of the Adventist growth in the first place was because we built. Like hospitals, because people needed good mm. hospitals, you know, and that was part of our church. We built um, places like sanitarium and that kind of thing, where people could yeah. get healthier options for food, because that's what the community needed, and it was also part of our message. So I'm just like, it's kind of like we used to be good at this,
1: and then we, I don't know, we sort of stopped. Yeah. So with, sanit- with sanitarium, I was listening to um, Adventist History podcast, and he was talking about how, like, back in the heyday, the sanitarium like would attract. The celebrities and famous people and royalty from all around the world who would come to get like health um, like health treatment from this place uh, uh, you know, at Dr. Kellogg's Sanitarium which is like, that's crazy yeah, pretty cool that's, that's amazing so yeah, that's why I like I, th- I see this and I'm like
0: ooh, it's sort of like something exciting it's almost like we're bringing back something but we have to take it to a new place which we'll get into yeah. all right, keep going Jesse, yeah. sorry okay, um, yeah. so um, pastor. sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs> thanks big Kev um <laughs> So, so Dr. Patrick M. Quinn, who is the lead pastor of Century, says this really interesting thing. So, the, the 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 sort of philosophy around community first, church second, is that this approach will bring people to the campus who are not looking for Jesus, but who might later realize that Jesus is looking for them. Oh, what a pastor! That is such oh. a pastoral line. <laughs> um, Love it. Yeah. So basically what, what they start with is they start with this huge plot of land, which they subdivide, and they dis- divide it into sections. And they start with a hangout space that they call the well. And they build a, a theater, a community theater, right? Which is which is cool. That's the first part. That's what, kind of what we've been talking about with moving away from a church building. So they don't build a church, right? Mm. So that, that's the very, very first thing. They do not build a church building yep. at all they build a theater that the church uses
0: once yes. or twice a week but, but it is f- built for the community to
1: use as a theater yeah the which theater. it may not sound like which may not sound like a big deal but think about it in terms of okay this church has dedicated itself to to buying 23 acres admittedly in rural alabama so I'm sure that it's nowhere near as expensive to buy in Alabama as it is, you know, in major cities here in New Zealand or in Australia. Yeah. But Like try to yeah. do this in Sydney would be insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, absolutely. Yep. But they've put all this time and effort and money into this huge project and they don't build a church building. Like for a lot of people, that would be like an instant, what the heck, we can't do this. Yeah. Sort of thing, you know. We should add that they actually teamed up
0: with like city plan- planners and architects and stuff. I think they were what is it? Yeah, like it's like
1: over twenty over twenty designers came together to 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 craft this 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 overall plan. So it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, so it's
0: it's actually like a legitimate. They they're
1: building a legitimate theater for the community. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So they expand a little bit on that. The idea is not just that they would have this. Theater space, this hangout space where church people can go to, but they actually open up the land because remember it's twenty-three acres. It's a it's a huge area that they can then utilize to um, invite uh, a preschool, uh, YMCA, uh, community housing, all this all the, all this other stuff that they are basically offering. I don't know it. You know, there's I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of financial. Um, uh, Like it will generate income, it will generate revenue, which is a really important um, point. This is not just we're buying this and they were giving it all away for free. Like there is a charitable, I'm sure there is a charitable aspect of this by which there will be like, you know, reduced price and all that sort of stuff. But the emphasis here I, I would like to make is that it's community first, but it's also not, they're not selling themselves out and going bankrupt because they're doing this. I think there is going to be a strong financial backing to make this all work, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, that's number one, community first, church second. Number two is partnerships that matter. And that kind of goes into sort of the partnerships that they want to um, sort of pursue as as, as as a part of this whole venture. Um, so... They say, historically, many churches have used the bulk of their facilities only once or twice during a week, but at Century, the goal is to maximize the use of all buildings throughout the week because A, it'll bring more people to the campus, adding more life and B, it'll help offset the cost of construction, maintaining the buildings if others are paying to use the buildings on a regular basis, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, And. This, for example, in application, we actually see this. I'm seeing this a lot more in Adventist churches. Like, for example, the church that I'm at, Hamilton, we actually rent um, our spaces a lot. So this morning we delayed recording because um, there was a Zumba class on <laughs> in the church <laughs> hall and it's very loud and it's right next to my office. But they're lovely people. And I love driving into my church and the car park is full of all these people going to Zumba. But it just it yeah. feels so like lively that all these people on are On a Wednesday morning. Church. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's that's awesome.
0: Great. Um, yeah. And there's like constantly classes that rent out one of our seminar rooms and that kind of thing. So like we're starting to use this, I think. Yeah. But this, this is, is sort great. of taking it
1: to a whole nother level. It's like building places
0: just for the community.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're not just, you don't, you don't have a church building. So it's not all attached, and that's part of the next few. The next few points is that you're building. Okay, you got a theater, which can be used, but you're also building cafes. You're building multi-purpose um, rooms, and you're building uh, areas that can be used by a preschool or by a university, or you know, for whatever reason, they include uh, a kitchen and 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 you know all that sort of those sorts of facilities, and. It's all kind of connected, but it's not one huge massive building, which uh, is a big idea, especially when it comes to insurance and maintenance. You build a lot more smaller buildings and you spread them out. That makes it a heck of a lot easier to maintain as opposed to one giant mega structure, which you might use for all this stuff, but it would be a lot more expensive to maintain. Hmm. Um,. All right, so this leads us quite nicely to number three, which is incremental design, right? So some churches try to build everything they need in a single building, but other churches construct a single building with a long ramp, a long-range plan, excuse me, for future additions. So when additions are added to the initial building, the result is akin to an amorphous blob. So you might build a big building, but... You go, okay, we might want to expand in the future. So you just put something on here. You you extend out a room there. You add another auditorium here and it ends up just kind of being this huge Frankenstein's monster yeah. of a building. Um, the, what they want to do is actually um, incrementally build. So they're not putting all their eggs in one basket, i.e. they're not just buying this 23 acre Um, land and plonking this massive building onto it they start small which helps keep the costs down which makes it more sustainable for the future so you don't have to put down two or three million dollars or more on one big huge building right at the get-go you can actually build one thing save some more build again and continue to grow and expand with your partners that are coming on board this construction process Mm. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty impressive the idea of having all this sort of thing
0: planned out from the start, but you don't you don't start with it all. Yeah, like it's I don't know, like I love the I love the vision of it. Just having like this is where we want to go, but we we only need this to start. It just makes for such a head start, honestly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and it's all. Yeah, it's all planned out, but then there's this. There's so much flexibility. Like you can do so much. You're not locked into one big design, and it's just you're just so much more flexible. It's great. Um, yeah,
0: which is cool because depending on what the community needs, you can adjust your design to it, and yeah. it still wouldn't come out as a massive Frankenstein blob.
1: And and as well, you're not. And and again, this is coming back to you're not building a church building. You're not. Yeah. You, you, you're, you're building. You're kind of essentially building like a small shopping area slash housing development slash multi-purpose university style campus slash park. Like it's it's a very flexible, fluid, like it's hard to quite define exactly what this thing is, which is why these pictures on the article are just so helpful. Yeah. Um but it's not it's not one thing, you know? When you when you drive into some of the huge mega churches, like when you drive into Hillsong it's Hillsong. There's this huge, there's these huge buildings everywhere and all you have really is like the car park and then like a, a green space, not to criticize Hillsong or any other church, but you drive past a church, you know it's a church. You drive into this, you may not know necessarily what it is, but it's still, it still is sort of like a church area. It's just the paradigms are just kind of really just twisting and, and turning. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, when I first saw the pictures from this, I was like, what? Redesigning church for the 21st century. Why has it got all these random drawings of like a suburb and these shops? Yeah. You know what I mean? I was <laughs> like, well, did they put the wrong draw- drawings on? But then when I read the article, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. That makes way too much sense. And now it's I'm freaking totally out. It's totally different.
1: It. It's totally different. Yep. Um, okay. So uh, number three, incremental design. And then number four is a sense of adventure and creativity. <laughs> which is a, a really a really fun idea. So they say adventure and creativity are two concepts that few people associate with churches today. Correct. Yet they have been a common ingredient for successful churches in the past. You think of the churches that you look up to the most. They're the ones who are adventurous. they're you know really, really bold. they do really crazy things uh, and they're creative. So those are those are the, you know pretty pretty interesting points. For example, the Methodist movement grew rapidly in the 19th century with innovative outreach initiatives such as camp meetings, circuit riders, and less restrictive ordination requirements. Many of which that we as an Adventist church have just kind of adopted and we haven't really improved upon them. We've just kept them. <laughs> yeah, we still have camp meetings in 2019. Yeah. We kind of still have circuit riders when you think about regional pastors and you know district pastors and stuff like that. They just kind of take just care true. of... Um, The ordination requirements, yeah, maybe I think we may have gone backwards on that one. Yeah, we might talk about that another time. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, they want, but they want, they they want to capture this idea of adventure and creativity, which of course was such a huge part in any church movement, including our own. Um, Without it, we wouldn't be where we are today. Um, but Century's overall plan and approach is undoubtedly an adventurous and creative approach to growing a church because it's based upon A, serving the community first, remember that first point, community first, church second, and B, creating an experience for visitors that cannot be replicated on a television or a cell phone screen, ah, i.e., yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right? Yeah, right? hit me with the i.e., bro. i.e., where experience is premised on a sense of community and it's bolstered by the physical design of the campus. So you're designing this campus to inspire creativity, to inspire boldness, to inspire adventure, and, and, and trying new things and doing new things, which you cannot replicate on a TV screen or a cell phone with a live stream for your favorite church, right?
0: Hallelujah!
1: Because it's not premised on that um, Sabbath morning or Sunday morning experience. It's not just a church. Like that's not the whole point. The point is the entire campus is this living, breathing organism which engages people on a very tangible level. It's, it, yeah, I'm, my mind is being blown right now. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, oh, I just, I'm I'm excited about this. That's that's when you know you're reading a good article about yeah. like, church stuff, when I'm visibly excited about what they're doing and I want to see it. Um, Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, but this would so never happen in Adventism. (laughs) I beg to differ actually because we have done it, not this exactly, and we kind of mentioned this, but we we, we have done something similar to this in the past. So you think of like an Adventist university, for example, um, often there's like, okay, I think of like Kurumbong is actually a pretty good example of this. In Australia, Kurumbong Australia, that's where our Adventist, it's not a university. Avondale College is, yeah. which is our Adventist tertiary education in Australia. Wonderful facility, by the way. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> right there, you've got like a preschool, you've got a primary school, you've got a high school, you've got a, um, you got a retirement village, a retirement village or cemetery. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> you've got like these shops as well that are there that I think are really all sprung about just because of the Adventist churches. Um, Basically, input and being there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, university there, it kind of created a community around the church. Yes. So, we've done it before, but I think maybe in the past when we've done it, and I think it's a different setting back then. So, it probably worked better back then, but it was probably more inward focused. Like, we're making this for us. And they ended up making it for us so well that it invited others into it. It was kind of by accident, not by design. <laughs> yeah. And you think of all the Adventist hubs around the world. If you've ever been yeah. one, I'm sure, like, what, like Loma Linda and stuff in America. Yeah, you know, I I'm sure it's all the same. It's all Like the with same. hospitals, and I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and I think of like Warunga as well mm-hmm. in Sydney, where you've got the hospital, you've got the media center, you've got everything. Um, yeah. And like the primary school, that's all sort of creating a community. Um, and this is actually taking an old idea, but taking it to a, like an old Adventist idea, but we're actually taking it to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. And that is exciting to me because what I think about it, um, I think that you, you can... Like, if you've got a conference on board with this, for example, we could do it again, but do it better. And we just say, look, we want to create a community hub. Mm. Like, I mm. think I think of in New Zealand, for example, um, and I actually plan to share this article with our CFO and stuff and our president <laughs> because I'm like, guys, we actually need to think about this. But if we just said like we want to actually create community hubs like this in some of our key cities or suburbs where land is still relatively cheap and there's church communities there needing better facilities or something. We could do this. We could totally do this.
1: Yeah, yeah, we could. (sighs) It, what it would require is it would require pretty much 100% buy-in from a conference because that's the only way that I see it working unless... And the, the local only, church community. And the local church community. The only other way that I see it working is if you have a, uh, a donor who is like uh, really <laughs> generous, like an incredibly generous donor. Filthy to make rich. Filthy rich. That, that's the only other way that I see this happening, really. But if you had a conference who... Like they looked at their region and they looked at the centers of influence in their region, and they planned around those centers of of influence really intentionally, then you wouldn't necessarily have to close down local churches, but you could allow them to, I guess, liquidate their assets into this project, which could then feed out into the surrounding area, um, which would be obviously a huge, just a mission, just for, you know, getting people to agree to that. But it would also be incredibly beneficial if that was something that could actually happen. Yeah, um, And, I, but the thing is, it also requires a bit of that shift
0: in theology, what we we're talking about. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, when you're wanting to build a theatre instead of building a church necessarily, even though you are building a church, but anyway, um, people have to sort of get out of the way because you realise you can't have your reverent sanctuary anymore do you know yeah, what I mean it has, like,
1: to, it has to be used by other people and they will use it for stuff that you probably are not interested in or maybe you don't like at all like that's just the nature of the beast that's what it means to invite people who don't share your values into your space and you let them play with your toys that's just <laughs> that's the risk that you take you know what I mean yeah. and that's the thing I think about
0: like for example, there's so many church buildings and i walk into and I honestly feel very uninspired by the space. I don't enjoy being there. Sometimes I don't really enjoy being in my office, for example, because it's a bit old and we've talked about renovating it. So it's a conversation I've already had with some of my leaders. But but I love going to like a local cafe because yeah. they create this vibe that you just want to be in. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's what I would love to see our churches doing, creating spaces that people just want to be in. You know, they... I- I used to love going to, um, like our church, we had like programs on and stuff and I used to love going to them. But when you go there, when the program isn't on, it's
1: like a wasteland, you know? <laughs> I think, I, I think that's, that's true for any building, no matter what it is. Like maybe even like going to Hillsong, like we pick on Hillsong all, all the time because it's what we're familiar with. But pick your random mega church. If you go there and there's nobody around, I mean, would you want to be there? I don't know. I wouldn't probably. That's true. Yeah, but if there <laughs> are always just, people there doing things, yeah, that's like that. There's so much energy and the vibes would be awesome, and yeah, it it'd be great. So I mean, I my church currently we we rent we we hire a facility, we hire a church hall, and so I don't. I literally have nowhere to go to. But one of the things that I've I've said to my leadership team over and over again, and like we're we've been talking about getting a facility for ages is I just want a place to hang. You know, I want a place to be. And, you know, usually I either just go to a classroom at our local high school or I um, just sit in a cafe. And that's fine. But I I just kind of wish that I had a space and that the church had a space that inspired creativity that people wanted to go to, that people could feel like they were, were in a safe place um, you know, a warm atmosphere that inspired them. Um, and yeah, I, I just feel like the church could offer that. Yeah. Um,
0: so part of the, I guess one of the, one of the things stopping this as well, well, not stopping this, but yeah, one of the things slowing this down and the reason why we talk about the conference needing to be on board and not just a local church being able to do this is actually because of our tithe structure. So if you're not aware at a local Adventist church, um, generally when people tithe, unless under different circumstances, but 90% of the time, um, if you tithe, then that all goes to, I guess, like the storehouse, which is the conference. And then they sort of evenly distribute it to pay for having pastors Mm. um, everywhere. Uh, That system's got its pros and cons, to be honest, like as every system does, there's no perfect system. Um, but I guess that's why there is a lot of the the conference. Like there is a lot of money that sort of sits there, yeah, and doesn't necessarily. It's not that it doesn't get used, but it sort of is almost like a bit of a safety net. Almost it's or it's got a specific purpose that it needs to be used for, but it's not quite enough to use it for that. Um, and I guess this is one of those things. Uh, it, if you can, con- if as a church, you can convince that you've got a mission. That's why you sort of, if you can get the conference on board with this, it's actually a way for us to revisit using our our
1: money as a denomination even. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's, it's 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 not as simple as just saving a bunch of money and, you know, diverting all your tithe as a local church to, to, to a building project, which is definitely like, you, you can do that to a certain point, but depending on the size of your congregation, like it's really it'd be a really slow process. So, make no mistake, what we're talking about here would require a huge amount of investment on a on a conference level. If you're if you're an Adventist church, if you're not part of an Adventist church, you know, maybe you, you know, you need to look at some of your your financial structures and figure out what that would actually mean for you. But really what we're talking about here in a way is an almost complete 180 degree reinvention of what church actually is and that that's why it's so huge like we're not just talking about okay shift a few degrees we're actually talking about going in a completely different direction abandoning our church buildings with the steeple and the pews and the stained glass windows and investing in something different to what most people are used to and make no mistake that's a big deal
0: (laughs) yeah uh, well, that's the thing, though. I mean, I was even having a conversation with one of um, one of our the leaders in our church here recently, and they were just saying, "Why don't Adventist churches? Why are they never actually sort of constructed um, with the way Adventists do church in mind?" And I said, "What do you mean?" They're like, "Well, we don't have, we never have enough Sabbath school classes. Mm. Do you know we make Sabbath school classes for kids, but then none for adults, and we just have to sit in circles." in this space.
1: That's interesting.
0: And I was like, wow, that's actually, I'd never thought about it. But what they were saying is like, it just, it feels like they're doing something, but it's like they're doing something in a building that isn't designed for them. You know? Yeah. They were like, even the fact that we have pews, but then we try and sit in circles to do Sabbath school in the morning. And it's super awkward because we're all sort of sitting across different pews. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I guess (laughs) nobody really (laughs) thought about it at the time. They just were like, it's a church. So we have to put pews in. And that's, well, so that's much, bare minimum of a how we do church. That's without changing a single thing. That's just thinking strategically about what our
1: building is and how we do church. Yes. Even yes. in the most be-
0: traditional standard.
1: Because like, even though we hold a lot of it to be holy and sacred, a lot of what we do and almost, I would say like 80 to 95% of what we do is just stuff that we've inherited from other faiths or other sort of Faith traditions, and we just haven't questioned it. We've just kind of adopted it and adapted it for our own use without thinking too much about what the pragmatic. We haven't thought pragmatically and practically.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, we just sort of adopted all these things and didn't. Yeah,
1: didn't reevaluate. Oh, what does this look like in Adventist mission? It's like no, we have to quickly just do things. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the big, the big question though in my mind is, um, what's it going to take? for this vision to actually become a reality, like on a practical level, because, you know, I mean, I know I made that big prediction at the beginning of how many churches is it going to take for them to have to close, to not be able to pay their rent anymore, to not be able to pay their insurance payments, um, to not be able to maintain, uh, to to, to not be up to code and just not be able to afford and the conference can't bail them out. Like how much of that is going to have to happen before we as a church actually look ourselves in the mirror and say something has to change and it has to change pretty radically. Otherwise, we are no longer to be going to gonna be able to function as an organization. Um, and I think I'm hopeful that even if we did get to that point, we still wouldn't, dissolve and die as a church because we do know deep down inside that church isn't all about the building or the facility it's about the people that we share life with and I'm hopeful that even if we did have to close all of our buildings tomorrow there would still be communities of people meeting together in homes and cafes and public spaces to be the church but at the same time I think that if we got to that point and we didn't uh, think proactively then that really limits our vision and our ability to be who we're called to be as the church with all the assets and 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 the money and the and the and the buildings that we've been gifted by God to be able to to construct and to be able to use for ministry um yeah. I know that's a big I know that's a big question but it's something that I really deeply wrestle with yeah and that's the thing the, the reason we're wrestling
0: with this is because we care about the church and we see these we see these problems coming and we want to actually be on the, on the forefront of trying to figure something out about it. Like what can we actually do? Um, And so that's why you might be hearing this article and you think, you know what, Josh and Jesse, you guys are total heretics, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I accept it. Yeah. (laughs) But for us, we we're just putting the question and the idea out there. Is this something we need to look into? And again, We'd love to hear your thoughts. Send us a message. Send us an email, whatever. But think about it for your church. Send this article to your pastor. Send it to your conference. Start the conversation. Find other articles. Find other churches doing interesting things with buildings and and spaces and where they're meeting. Um, For example, the amount of churches that we have that have like six to 20 people max meeting and they still have a building. That they're trying to maintain, whereas they're not, and they're not just meeting at a house is ridiculous. Yeah. Why would you ever need a whole building for 10 people to meet once a week? It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my life. (laughs) But we've been doing it for, you know, probably almost two centuries now. (laughs) Like, because that's what you do. Yeah. That's just what you do. Because we need to be seen by the community that we have a building. Look at us. You can come and find us. (laughs)
1: But really, like, (laughs) just meet in someone's home. It's free. We don't need to be seen as individual people in the community sharing our faith or being a Christian. We need to have a building to be seen in our community. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, think of the irony there. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And, I mean, that's the thing. If If you have church at somebody's house with no visibility or you have church in a hired space like this with no visibility, then all of a sudden it forces you to grow by inviting people and bringing people to church. So maybe we should get rid of all of our buildings and focus on getting good at just mission again, but maybe not. I don't
1: know. There's definitely a pessimistic part of me that feels like, okay, like all this stuff sounds great, but I don't think the church is going to learn unless it has to learn the hard way. You know, like that's, yeah. that's a pessimistic negative side of me that goes, we're probably not going to learn unless necessity forces us to have to adopt and adapt to be able to survive. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. And and I hope it, I hope it doesn't have to come to that. I hope. Possibly, maybe probably true, <laughs> but
0: <laughs> Jesse and I are going to fight tooth, nail, I don't know, whatever else, swords, claws. claws. Yeah. Shoes, elbows, uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> knees, knees and toes, knees and toes. We're gonna fight to make sure that you know we can do everything
0: we can to actually curve this. Yeah, will it work? I don't know. I don't care.
1: But <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm we gonna tried. keep going anyway. And that's <laughs> the thing. That's what we need to do. We need to be asking and searching. So that's our episode. Jesse, did you have anything else to add to redesigning this, church for the 21st century?
1: I I think if anything what you should take out of this episode is not that you have to go and buy 23 acres or your church has to go and buy 23 acres somewhere to build this sort of thing. There are so many more ideas that are coming out of the woodwork. Like I heard an idea the other day about a guy who started a nonprofit company where he just builds um, huge preschools, which then become really profitable which then have like a theater attached to them and the preschool basically pays for the use of the church to be able to meet in this facility so it doesn't have to be a theater it doesn't have to be a community center it can be whatever the community needs it to be Uh, and i think that's probably the biggest question is asking what does the community need How can we meet that need? And how can we do this in such a way that we are not just meeting spiritual and physical needs, but we're also being smart about this because the stewardship aspect is huge. There's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with being able to pay for things as long as you're doing it in a way that is honest and that is um, ethical. Uh, Because I think that you could go to the other side of the argument and say, well, there are too many churches that are doing too much to earn money and, you know, pay their pastors millions of dollars and all that sort of stuff. So for me, I think it's about thinking courageously, creatively, adventurously, thinking about the future, getting past that uh, old paradigm of just accepting that church buildings have to be all they have to be and just thinking about the ways that we can be the church better in whatever city or town that we might be in. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. So again, let us know um
0: let us know your thoughts. You can do so on social media or by email, but uh for everything burn the haystack, make sure you go and check out burnthehaystack.org. It's got links to everything and even a contact form. So um mm. yeah, make sure you go and check that out and cuz we love to hear from you. We love to hear yeah. your voices and or <laughs> we love to see your messages
1: typed out. <laughs> I don't know, maybe send us a voice recording. Why not? I don't That'd <laughs> <yeah>. be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to Burn the Haystack. Um, we love it if you would do that. And if you are subscribed, please, we would love it if you would go to the next level, write us a review on iTunes, um, on Google Play, Stitcher, or whatever podcatching app that you use.
0: Yes, because reviews are helpful and we read them
1: and we feel nice when we read them because people most of the time say nice things. Yeah, and if it's if it's funny, we might share it and then you get a shout out in the episode and that's that's pretty sweet. Hmm. Or if it's helpful, funny or helpful, because I don't want them all yes. to just be funny. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Thank you, and, and I just want to say as well, thank you to all those people that have been sending us messages over a little while, sharing about sort of how the podcast has impacted them. Um, we might share them at, in a in a in a, a future episode, but um, we you know sometimes we just get these random Facebook messages or um, these emails from the website, and they're just people sharing about how the podcast has impacted them or their family and that just really makes our day when, when that happens and we're just so thankful to be able to serve you and to be able to just share yeah, um, these conversations
0: and honestly like don't feel like you need to send us a message on our most recent episode I mean the, some of the emails we get are from episodes from months ago and they send it when they eventually listen and that's totally fine you can send us a message yeah. whenever you want so um, about whatever I mean you could send us a message about this episode in, in two years and we might have forgotten a lot of what we talked about, but you know, it's <laughs> it's yeah. really it's really great. So just yeah, send us whenever. It's good.
1: It's good stuff. Alright. Love you guys. We'll talk to you again next week. That is Josh and Jesse OUT!